Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. God is good. Wow, we have a couple testimonies this uh, this morning before we get into the message. And I know um, we've been speaking on prayer, so I think it's appropriate that we would have, I think Deborah, was it, who had a testimony? Joan? Marilyn, come on. Marilyn, Joan, Joan Jones, and Deborah. So we'll come up. Do you, just come stand right here, my dear, and I'll give you the mic so we can all hear you. And Joan Jones as well. Powerful testimonies. Who wants to start? Deborah. We're not starting without Deborah. Well, uh, we just uh, thought it was time for us to uh, give glory to God for all that had happened because we three were in the hospital at the same time with uh, COVID virus. And so uh, seeing as I am the senior, <coughs> uh, I, have a, I can go first. So I just want to say I thank you for this opportunity of coming to church and offering glory to God because of the family of God within this congregation. And the family of God exhibited, uh, expressed the continuance of the love of Christ through their tender, loving care to people in this congregation throughout the COVID virus. And I, I was a recipient, and I am thankful. I just want to thank you. Second thing is, I got I got three points because I'm I'm rehearsed here. <laughs> trying to trying to stay within three minutes. I am. Um, Psalm 23 verse four says, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff they comfort me." And I know that I'm not the only one here who passed through the shadow of death while we were suffering from COVID. And uh, I would just like to say that it is a shadow, and a shadow does not have substance, and there's no such thing as a shadow without light. And so when we go through the shadow of death, we have light as well. We have the light of the Lord. And I experienced that. I experienced that verse while I was in the hospital. And lastly, I will say that throughout the time that I was in the hospital, I um, had the pleasure of rediscovering the enjoyment, the companionship, and friendship of the Holy Ghost. And that happened to me through praising and praying, praying and singing silently for hours on end in tongues, the gift of God in tongues. And I just want to say publicly here that I thank God for the gift of tongues. And so I say to you, the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. What she said.
wanted to <coughs> want to give praise and glory and honor. I didn't rehearse this, by the way. <laughs> but I want to give praise to God for his goodness, for his faithfulness. There were times when <laughs> I'm sure others have felt it too. It got a little tough. And uh, my faith was, you know, I even shared with my sister here. <clears throat> I didn't know if I was going to make it. But God did. And I give him praise for that. And I give praise for all of you. Just as Jones said, <clears throat> pardon me, when I think about this, it gets a hold of me. How many of you, I think I told Pastor, I felt like the refrigerator and you were all the magnets. <laughs> and you would just come with food and with words of encouragement, with even, even had a nurse come in and take my vitals. I won't say who it is. <coughs> and uh, <coughs> we had in the hospital opportunities, I think, to pray for the people in the hospital. At one point, uh, uh, just before Christmas, the day before Christmas, I was really having a pity party. Oh, not you, Marilyn. Yeah, me. And I said, I'm going to end up spending Christmas in the hospital. And I heard the Holy Spirit as clear as I'm speaking to you. And he said, look out that window. And I did, and the parking lot was full. He said, they don't want to be here either. Why don't you pray for them? And I tell you, it put me back in my place. But I'm so thankful that we have a God that hears and answers prayer. One point, I, I wasn't going to even tell this, but at one point, I asked the Holy Spirit if he would bring me a biscuit the next day so I could take communion. Next day, I got a biscuit. I started to take communion. The nurse was watching me from the doorway. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking communion. Come on in. She came in. She said, what is that? And I told her. I said, would you like to take it with me? She said, I can't. I'm, I can't take these masks off. But she said, I'm on a break. Can I watch you? I said, of course you can. So I took communion while she was sitting beside me here watching and had the opportunity to give the way to heaven through Jesus Christ, through the blood of the Lamb in the communion. And I could see her mouth was wide open. And she looked at me after and she said, you know, I'm not very religious. I, I don't really care for religion. I said, neither do I. But this isn't religion. This is a relationship. Through Jesus Christ and his blood, we can come to the Father through him. And her last name, I won't give you her first name, but her last name was Hope. God was bringing hope to this young lady. God brought hope to us. And he raised us up again. So we're here to say thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And thank you, Jesus, 
for raising us up again for such a time as this. Now I have nothing to say. <laughs> actually, I do. I actually wrote it down because I'm not as accomplished as these girls. So uh, there was really important things that I want to say. First of all, I want to bless you, family. Yes. We're standing here because of your prayers. Jesus used each one of you. And because you took time to pray for us, mm -hmm. Father was glorified. And we are here against doctors speaking death. Mm -hmm. All of us were spoken over as you're not going to make it. God had a plan. Because you prayed agape prayers, which are unconditional, that were consistent, we are here. Father was glorified. Because you prayed in confidence, we had new confidence. We had courage. We had greater intimacy with Jesus. We pressed in for a greater experience. And Christmas Eve, I received a gift, a dream of my parents, beyond any words. That night, and I had been grieving since September, my mom had passed. So going through this, being shoved in the hospital, wasn't exactly a happy time for myself or these ladies, but especially grieving. That night, I received a vision, and I was in heaven. I walked into my parents' house, and they were young, and they were happy. And when I walked up to it, I thought, oh, those flowers. My mom would like those flowers. And the door was open, so I just walked right in. And on the one wall was a huge fireplace. But it wasn't fire coming out of it. It was God's glory. And as it hit me, I was like, wow. Well, it was bigger than wow. And then all of a sudden, I realized there's a couch. And my mom was sitting on it. And she turned her head, but she was young, in her 30s. And then all of a sudden, my dad turned around. He was young in his 30s. And they both smiled, but we didn't say anything. But I just felt such joy, immense joy. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wow. And poof, it's over. But I tell you right now, I have no, I'm not grieving. Why would I grieve after seeing that? So I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you. We've all lost people, and we're going to see them again. And they're happy. They're not missing us. So, you know, like, move on. <laughs> so we've experienced greater warfare, quiet streams, witnessing. Each of us witnessed to our nurses. We, all, we didn't know it, but we had the same nurses. So they kind of got it double. Marilyn was right next door to me. <laughs> And we were able to fellowship and do communion with little bits of crackers and water. And, uh, and we worshiped. Like, you got to realize, we were, we're having sensory deprivation there. You're isolated. Nobody's allowed in. Only nurses, doctors. So, you know, God provided. God provided. And so I just want to bring you to realize that to go forward and to go in your prayer life, don't get downcast. Don't get discouraged. We're here because of you. 
You know, prayer. Pastor's been talking how many weeks? Nine weeks on prayer. This is a result. You're seeing it. So to end mine, I just want to I just want to pray. Let's pray. Today, Lord, we decree that your prayer lives elevate to another level. We pray, Lord, that to new areas within our Heavenly Father, that Jesus, we just, may you always pray in unity with the Holy Spirit. May you always pray in unity with the Holy Spirit. And we decree against the enemy trying to disrupt your prayer life and bringing you unnecessary distractions in Jesus' name. And I learned an acronym 20 years ago when we started this church. <laughs> Busy. Being under Satan's yoke. Think on that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Woo! Amen. Just really quick. Just really quick. Yeah. Uh, yes. 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 Woo! <laughs> I just, I just, before you go, I just want to say, hey, hey, we are so rich and so blessed with these mamas of faith. Travis is going to be preaching on faith today, and I just want to honor you guys because you're pillars of faith, and I'm so excited that I know the enemy tried to take you out, but he couldn't. And I was just thinking about the scripture that I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. And I want to speak that if there's anyone who is sick, anyone else who has COVID or anything else, and we just join our faith, and we're so blessed. We're so blessed. We love you guys. And you made it. Woo! <laughs> awesome. That's wonderful. Great testimony. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Well, yeah, like she said, we're on our ninth week of prayer, and we're going to continue, um, except for Easter. Easter's coming up in two weeks, and it's, it's going to be a, a real uh, salvation message type service. So we want to encourage you to take the cards that you see in the seats, and if there's none in the seats, or some in the back, and, and just give it out to people and invite them to come to church to hear the gospel on Easter, all right? And so today we want to talk about prayer. We've been talking about prayer for, like I said, the last nine weeks, and these are some of the types of prayer that we covered, and so we'll go to um, the different types of prayer. We've covered so far the prayer of supplication. We talked about that. We've talked about the prayer of intercession, the prayer of dedication, Prayer, the prayer of praise, and the prayer of agreement. I'm throwing my uh, computer guy off because I'm jumping ahead. He's being, spring up the PowerPoint, yeah. So these are the things we talk about. So today, and, and last week, uh, Pastor Peter preached on the prayer of agreement. That was a great word. How many enjoyed that? Today, we are talking about the prayer of faith. You know, when we start talking about faith, my, my foundation growing up, I grew up in the Word of Faith movement. That was where my parents first started in their Christendom, in their Christian life. And what I've seen is as I've matured in the Lord and I've grown in my faith, you know, I've seen that sometimes uh, in that movement, like every movement, there we can get in the ditch, right? And we can uh, preach things that are maybe a little bit uh, leaning too far one way. And, and so what people do when they hear the word faith, they, they take the 
the, the bath water and they, th they throw it out. And I'm saying, hold on, there's a baby in there. Don't throw the baby out with the bath water, right? And what people do when they start hearing faith, they think of like uh, some certain prosperity preachers and that that may have gone the wrong way. And they say, I, I don't want to hear faith. And they throw the baby out with the bath water. You don't want to do that because there's a, there's a message of faith that we need to have so we can grow and develop in our faith with God. And so today I want to start in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1, I want to talk about what prayer is, and, and the Bible really defines what faith is. Now, faith is really another word for confidence or trust, to simplify it. But the Scripture breaks it down a little differently, and I wanted to look at that together. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith, faith is really the things hope for, which really are, if you're hoping for something, you haven't got possession of it yet, right? So you might be hoping, you know, for loved ones to get saved. You're hoping for healing to come to your body. You're hoping for your bank account to balance at the end of the month, right? You're hoping for things, but you've not yet received what you're hoping for. Does that make sense? It's future tense. But faith is the substance of the things you're hoping for. That word substance uh, is the word confident. Some of your Bibles will use the word confidence. Some of the translations use the word assurance. And there's also this word, if you translate it to the Greek, title deed. Okay, And uh, the best way to explain this example is uh, if you're looking for a, a home to buy. How many have ever bought a home before? So you go out and um, you're looking for a home. You see a sign on, 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 a, on a property and you say, I really like the look of that house. So uh, you, you get excited, you want to buy a house, so you know you go to the bank, you make sure that your finances are in order, you have the money, you put together a deposit. Hopefully you do that before you call the real estate agent, just saves a lot of trouble. And the next step is you call a mediator called a real estate agent, and his responsibility or her responsibility is to mediate between you, the buyer, and the seller. Okay? How many follow me so far? All right? And uh, so what happens is... The, the real estate agent shows up with a piece of paper called agreement of purchase of sale. So it's an agreement. And so on that agreement is the cost of the house. So the seller wants $500,000 for the house. And you sit down. You say, you know what? I think it's only worth four eighty. dollars So, I'm gonna, so you, you counter offer four eighty. dollars So the mediator, the real estate agent, goes back and says, oh, well, they're going to give you four eighty. dollars and then, then, then that buyer says, well, no, I want four ninety five. dollars And so you go back into negotiations. So you have a mediator the real estate agent, with a piece of paper that gets all full of scribble marks. You can hardly read it at the end. How many have been there, right? And that's a purchase of sale. So the real estate agent is the, the mediator, and he's the one doing that. And then you find out there's all these other people interested, so you give them asking price because you really want the house. And you get a phone call. And the real estate agent says, congratulations, you got the property. The home is yours. They've accepted your offer. All the other offers are off the table. And when, when you get that phone call and you come and you sign that piece of paper, even though the closing date is two months away, you rejoice in the moment. You're like, yeah, you know, let's celebrate because we got a home. And you start telling all your friends, come on over, we're having a party. We just bought a house. We got the house. And they're like, really? Are you in it? And no, it doesn't close for a couple months. But Faith is the title deed of the things you're hoping for. Even though you've not yet received your healing, the Word of God, the title deed, which is the Scripture, right, says, by Jesus' stripes and wounds, you are healed, right? 
The Bible says, me and my household shall serve the Lord. The Bible says all kinds of things, all kinds of promises. That is the title deed. That's the agreement of purchase. And so a person of faith, as we grow in our faith, we're able to say, you know what? I believe it. I believe I've received it because faith is the title deed of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. How many see that? All right. My wife and I sold a property back in November, November 15th. The closing date was December 15th. But when we went and, and we got the phone call from our uh, real estate agent, um, what was his name again? Clay Jacobson. Great guy if you ever want a good real estate agent. But anyway, a little plug for, for Clay. But anyway, so we saw, he calls, you know, the, the, the place is sold uh, and everything was done. We had to sign the paperwork. We started rejoicing. My wife and I were already planning, okay, this is where we're going to spend the bit of profit that we have. We're going to do this, this, and this. But the closing date was not for another 30 days. And I'm saying that faith, we can get to a place in our faith where you, you pray because you see a promise and you're saying, I trust that that's for me. And you start to rejoice even before you've received it. Make sense? So the Bible says, come and get prayer for the laying on of hands will save the sick or heal the sick. You get prayer and you go home, you go, you know what? The closing date hasn't come. I'm still in pain, but I thank God that it belongs to me. Hallelujah. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate. Because my healing's on the way because of the title deed, the purchase of sale. Does that make sense? And we see this beautiful picture here in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. That is why he, Jesus, is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance that God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sin they have committed under the first covenant. And so Jesus is the mediator. He's like the real estate agent. And God purchased our salvation through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and with a deposit of the Holy Spirit for an eternal promise. Amen? I mean, when you buy a house, you have to have a deposit. What's a deposit now, by the way? 10,000, okay. Yeah, 20, I forget what the percentage is, but depends on the house. But there has to be a deposit. And the deposit we've been given is the Holy Spirit. He's been deposited. And so we know that whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Amen? Isn't that such a wonderful promise? Right? And so the second meaning of the word substance, so the first, so, so faith is the title deed or the contract of the things you're hoping for. But the second meaning is things put under or a substructure or a foundation. Okay? So another example of that, faith is the substructure of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we purchase the house. My wife and I are excited. We go to look at the house. And the house is beautiful, right? Beautiful bricks. It's a nice house. The paint is nice. The hardwood is nice, right? And, and we've done that. We've gone and looked at houses, and my wife's like, I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. It's just what I want. <laughs> and she turns around, and I'm nowhere to be seen. She's like, where's my husband? Or her husband's in the basement checking out the foundation. Because if the foundation is cracked, if the foundation isn't good, guess what? The house in time will lose value quickly. And so I come up, and I'm like, my wife, I'm like, you know what? It looks pretty. The foundation is bad. There's must. There's mold. There's a cracked foundation. We're out of here. Right? So the foundation is so important. Anyone who builds homes knows if you don't have a solid foundation, guess what? The house will not stand. 
So that word substance, faith is the undergirding foundation of the things we're hoping for. And so if you purchase a house, you know, we walk up to the house, oh, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, but there's something you can't see, it's the foundation, and that's what holds the house up. And our lives, whatever our lives are, are founded upon something. Faith is the foundation. Is your faith in yourself? Is your faith in the economy? Is your faith in the government? Is your faith in your own accomplishments? Or is your faith in God? And I love to be able to tell people, listen, if they, if they come to me and say, you know, I, you know, I really love your life and you've done so well. And, they say, and I can say, you know why? Because my foundation, which you cannot see, my God, is what supports me. And Jesus said, he said, he gives this parable and he says, you need to build your house upon the rock because if you build your house upon the sand, when the storms of life come, guess what's going to happen? The sand's going to move and the house will fall and great will be its fall, right? But we have this sure foundation, which is God. And so the evidence of our faith, which cannot be seen. How many know you can't see God on a regular basis? But he's the substructure to our lives. So people see the fruit of our lives. They see the beautiful life, and they say, why, why is your life so good? Well, because my substructure, my foundation is God Almighty. Amen? He gets the glory. We get the story. It's pretty good. So, and you praise all that you see when you look at a new house, but what holds up what is seen is what is unseen. And when people see the fruit of your life and the goodness that's going on in your life, you can say, my foundation is God. You know, in Hebrews 11, verse 2 and 3, I love this verse. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made of things which are invisible, right? And, and this scripture was not even understood until 1808. Like, how were things that we see, material things we see, made from something that's invisible? In 1808, an English scientist named John Dalton stated that all matter is composed of atoms. A lot of the scientists thought he was nuts. But he was the first one to coin that. So I think everything's made of, of an invisible world of atoms. We cannot see with the human eye. And scholars for years thought, how can this, what does it mean? How can things be made of invisible things? In 1808, they got their answer. And that's amazing because the Word of God told us thousands of years ago. Isaiah 28, verse 16, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Look, I'm going, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build upon. Whoever believes needs never to be shaken. Say, never be shaken. Isn't that awesome? Like We can have a God that, if we put our faith in, will never, ever be shaken. That's an awesome foundation. And we can be people of faith. And as we grow in our faith, we begin to see that God is faithful. Why is understanding faith so important? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is, let's say it together, impossible to please him. Say, how can that be? Well, think about your own relationships. If you, tell, if you don't trust your spouse, you're not going to have a very good relationship. 
Trust is foundation for relationship. And so without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there's two things you must believe, right? You must believe if you're going to grow in faith. Number one, that he is. That he is what? Well, we're going to just go through a few things this morning. That he's El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He's Adonai. He's the, the Lord Master. He's Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah. And so when I, I spit out these names here, what's happening is when you go to church, you should be learning about the character of God, who he is. When you're reading your Bible, you should be learning about who he is so that you know who God is. He's Yahweh. He's the Lord Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. You're like way one step ahead of me all the time. He's like, hurry up with your sermon. No, just kidding. <laughs> Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals. That's who he is. God is our healer, right? And if you, if you read through the Old Testament, you study the Hebrew, you see all these names coming up. Let's keep going. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Do you know that God is with you? When you know that you know that you know that you know that, you know, I have a hard time, to be honest with you, sometimes sing some of the modern worship songs. Lord, I need you. Send your presence. I'm like, I have a hard time singing that because I'm full of the presence of God. Because it's like, huh, he's with me already. Amen? I'd rather sing songs about let's stir up the Holy Ghost because he's with us. And let's get together and believe it so that he shows up, right? Next one, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Titkanu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Mikadish, the Lord who sanctifies you. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Right, Deborah? Shalom. Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. Abba Father. Ooh, that's a New Testament one. Isn't that awesome? We can call him Father. So the point I'm making is, you know, we could spend like a whole week series on this stuff. But we have to believe... Uh, and know that he is all that we need him to be. This is who God is. This is his character, right? So we need to learn. We have to have faith that he is. Say, that he is. All right? And the interesting thing here is that Jehovah literally means, the word Jehovah literally means, I am the one who is. So when in the burning bush, Moses said, who shall I say sent me? He says, I am. Jehovah, I am everything that you need in the moment. That's who God is. I am has sent you. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they freaked out. They're saying, you're saying you're God. And the Pharisees said, we're putting this man on the cross. So this is the, the, we have to believe that he is, and that can grow and grow and grow. And the second thing we have to believe is that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this is where there's a, there's a change because there's a lot of churches that believe that he is, but they don't believe he's a rewarder. I know people that know this Bible inside and out way better than I do, but they don't have faith in him as a rewarder, okay? Because here, if you believe that he is, you have revelation, okay? If you believe that he's a rewarder, you have impartation, which brings transformation. 
But a lot of people don't have impartation that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. They just know everything about him, but they can't apply it to their life. They don't know how to get access to God, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. They can't believe, well, would God really want to heal me? I know the Bible says he's a healer. I know that he meets all my needs, but I don't think he really wants to meet my needs because you don't believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. God wants to reward his children. And a religious spirit can get in and get us focused on knowing who he is, but not realize that he wants to bless her socks off. And Jesus told us that. He said, listen, when you pray, don't be like the religious Pharisees who pray in public so that they can be seen. Go in your secret place and talk to your father in heaven, and he will what you openly? He'll reward you openly because God is a rewarder. Let's say it together. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we get our priorities straight, and we love and seek God diligently, there's reward system, man. And it happens in this life, not just in eternity. That's it's so, it's so important. Can you give me a chair here, Pastor Peter? All right. So I'm going to ask Gloria, would you, come, would you come and sit on this chair, please? Come and sit on the chair. All right. Looking good, Gloria. So what were you thinking when I asked you to come sit on the chair? What thought went through your mind? I knew I could trust the chair. It looked very good and sturdy, and I could sit on it. And I trusted you to tell me to sit on it, and you wouldn't tell me to sit on something that wouldn't hold me. So you didn't think I would? You didn't think I was going to embarrass you, right? <coughs> no. Okay. <laughs> because I'm not. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And your chair, not in this chair. Yes. Here, let me let me get you mic'd up here, so. It just goes well with this. I was sitting on the front chair of the front pew of a church one time, and the pastor was saying that when you walk into the church, you don't check the chairs to see if they're safe. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's because they know chairs. There you go. So she's preaching my sermon. This is good. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, Jesus. That was my next point. So we're in the same flow here. But the reason why Gloria didn't, she didn't, she didn't come up and go, oh, I don't know if that chair's safe, and is there bolts under that? Is, you know, how, how is that chair put together? And she's walking around the chair, checking it out. No, she sits on the chair. Why? Because you've spent many, many, many years sitting in a chair, starting with a high chair. And with use of chairs over time, you get so comfortable with chairs, you just sit down them, and you don't even think about it. Could you imagine going for a job interview, and you're kind of checking out the chair, and the guy's like, you got a problem? Why, what's wrong with my chair? We trust chairs because we sit in them consistently. In fact, we trust them so much that sometimes we don't even check if they're there and we sit in the air. Has anyone ever done that? <laughs> we, had, we had a women's conference one, and, and Paulette, Paulette experienced that. She thought the chair was there. They were playing musical chairs, and she sat in the air and got a concussion. Do you remember that? It's a horrible situation. But I've been sitting in chairs for many, many years. Over 40 years, I've been sitting in chairs. 
And I trust chairs, completely trust chairs, don't even think about it. But my wife, one day, she goes, uh, <coughs> she's out, like, and she sees this chair by the side of the road. And she goes, oh, I want to get my husband a chair. It's beautiful. <laughs> so she picks up this nice office chair, brings it in the 2017. I was sitting in it for about a year. And then all of a sudden, see, what was happening, the reason why the chair was on the side of the road was it was missing a bolt underneath. So I was leaning back, talking to someone about faith on the phone. And all of a sudden, the chair came apart. The back fell off. And you see that spike? I, let's just say 200 plus pounds. We'll just say plus. We won't tell how much. Fell onto that spike in the middle of my back. And I thought I broke my spinal cord. Like I was squealing. And, and Melanie's the secretary. She's like, pastor's going through deliverance. What's going on? He, I knew he had a devil. No, she didn't say that. But she comes in, she opens the door. I'm screaming, I'm on the floor, and she says, what should I do? I said, I don't know, I can't move, I can't get up. My legs, like, I thought I'm paralyzed. Like, I, my back landed on that thing. And my, my office used to be, like, in the bathroom, or where the bathroom is, not in the bathroom. And I fell, it was horrible, it was terrible. And I'm squealing with pain, and so she calls the ambulance, the ambulance comes, and they, they say, what, what happened? I said, I fell off my chair. And I'm feeling like an idiot. But then they saw the spike, and they understood, and the, the, the damage to my back. So they took me out on a stretcher, right? And people are outside. Oh, what happened to the pastor? I fell off my chair. Uh, and they're like, wow. So I go to the hospital, and thank God for prayer warriors, because Melanie got calling all the prayer warriors in our church, and they started praying for me. And I'm telling you guys, I, I was in so much pain, I couldn't walk. It was horrible. And I'm in, I'm in the hospital. I'm about 15 minutes waiting for a doctor to come, and all of a sudden, the pain just came, I could feel it come off me. And I stood up and I'm like, this is amazing. I, and God healed me in the moment. And then the doctor comes and goes, what happened? Why did you call an ambulance? And I'm like, well, I fell off my chair. And he's like, you look okay. Right? But I had fallen on that spike and thank God for his healing power. So thank you guys, whoever it was who was praying for me that day. But ever since that moment, like after that, for about a year, I had to always inspect chairs. I became a foundation inspector. I was always like checking... Is that chair okay? I mean, I know. Because, you know, when you have a bad experience, guess what? You start checking things out, right? How many know what I'm talking about? And, uh, but unless you've had that negative experience, for the most part, you trust chairs, right? It, it's, it's a substructure for us to sit on. And how silly would it look if we always investigating our chairs before we sit down? Well, that's how we look in the spirit realm when we read the scripture and God gives us a, a, a promise. And we're like, well, I'm just not sure. I don't know if I can sit on that. Can I really trust God? Like, I know he is. The Bible says he's my healer. I know he, he's my provider. But I know he says this and this and this. But I don't know. Can I really, can I sit on that? Or it's like you buy a house and you sign the deal and then you call the real estate agent the next day and you're like, hey, are you sure the house is mine? Are you sure that the, the seller's not going to back out of the deal? Are you sure? i got to wait 30 days to make sure he doesn't back. And you begin to doubt. Faith is a title deed. Faith is the substructure of the things hoped for. So how do we get faith in God? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes from hearing. I like it in the ESV. 
and hearing through the word of Christ. So when we open the Bible or we're in prayer and God, the Holy Spirit, begins to speak to us about his promises and we grab a hold of that, faith begins to grow in us. Isn't that good news? And James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8, James says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. You know, that was the first time I realized that God wasn't just conservative, he was liberal as well. But anyway, it's a bad joke. I take it back. I take it back. Okay. <laughs> who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. See the word no doubting? For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. And what I love about James is James is my favorite book in the New Testament because James was the brother of Jesus. And I really mess Catholics up when I tell them that, you know, especially nuns. I have an aunt who's a nun. And I said, you know, you follow Mary, the virgin. I said, did you know that she was only a virgin until Jesus was born because he was divinely, you know, conceived? And they're like, no. Oh, no, no, really. Because Jesus had brothers and sisters, so she was no longer a virgin. They're like, really? Yeah. I'm ripped off. No. Um, but here's, here's the thing. James... New stuff, I think, that the other disciples didn't because, okay, I have, a, I have two brothers. They have close friends that know a lot about them. I guarantee you they know a lot about my brothers, but I know stuff they don't know because we grew up together. And, and James grew up with Jesus, and I think he just, there was another aspect of revelation that came. And I love what James says here in verse 16 and 17. He says, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. And then he reminds us, oh, of God's own will, he brought you forth. In other words, it was his idea to save you. He wants you, okay? By the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, okay? Um, and here's what I want you to understand. Do not be deceived. People that know all about God but don't know him as a rewarder, as one who brings good and perfect gifts into their life, if they don't know that aspect or have faith in that aspect of their life, then they're on shaky foundation. And so this chair, okay, if a chair would represent God, I've asked Gloria to sit on this chair. Now, I would like to have, Gloria, would you come sit on this chair? No. Why wouldn't you sit on it? Yeah, it's, it's not safe. And if a chair was to represent your faith in God, uh, this here is, is a religious chair. It's, it's about the religion and traditions of men partial scripture, misinterpretation of scripture. And people that grow up in this kind of faith, without knowing that he's a rewarder, they want to hang around the cross. They don't want to get on it. They want to hang around church, but they don't want to get involved. They know everything about God, but they can't trust him. 
because they know that he is, but they don't know that he's a rewarder. Amen? And so we want to know that God... See, this chair here, I know I, this, can, this can hold me because I can see that it's solid. This chair, nobody's sitting on that one. Amen? We need to know that faith releases the power of God in the earth. And Jesus' disciples asked, why can't we cast out the demons, Jesus? And this is what he said to them. And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, because of your unbelief. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing, say nothing, will be impossible for you. Right? Isn't that good? And so here's the good news, that we've each been given a measure of faith, a little mustard seed that God has given us. And the good news is that that faith can grow. So don't let anyone say you don't have any faith. If they say that to you, say you don't have any love. The, or you don't know the Scripture. Because the Bible says we've each been given a measure of faith. And that measure will grow if we have the right foundation. If we read the Word of God at face value, not based on religion and tradition, you'll be able to set your life securely on that. And I love Paul's, as we're closing, Paul's greeting to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. And the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. And so when you see that your faith can grow, you should get excited and do the dance. Get excited. Why? Because that means I might be here, but God wants to take me here. If faith is like a mustard seed, Jesus says in another parable, the kingdom is like a little mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds, and you cast it in the earth, but it grows up to be a tree that the birds of the air make their nests in. So your faith, like a little mustard seed, can grow as you read the word, as you trust your God, as you know, we hear testimonies today, that is increasing our faith, because we hear by the word of Christ. Amen? Awesome. Why don't we stand together? How many enjoyed that this morning? Amen. <laughs> Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us each a measure of faith, and we trust you, God. We thank you that, Lord, we can grow in faith as we build the substructure under our lives, which is the Word of God. And, Father, I ask, Lord, that this week that you would just begin to speak to us, that you begin to reveal your Word to us in a powerful way. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you as you go today. If anyone wants prayer after a message like that, we will pray with you. Pastor Peter and I will be up here. God bless. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.